This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, Pastor Rick continues in a series called 40 Days of Love. In these lessons, Rick looks into the Bible to help you better understand God's great love for you and to empower you to love others the way Jesus does. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you how you can get the set of 52 Bible verse memorization cards based on this series, 40 Days of Love. You can find out more by going to PastorRick.com while you listen to today's message. And if you want, you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004 for more information. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with the final part of a message called, Love is Not Easily Angered. Now, here's an interesting thing. Part of that reconditioning process means getting away from things that make you angry as much as possible. Look at this next verse. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them. Would you write this down? Anger is contagious. Anger is contagious. It says keep away from angry, short-term people. You know, you take a nice kid and you put him in a gang, in one year, he'll be angry. You take him out, he's going to go back to his normal ways. If you are dating somebody who has a problem with anger, as your pastor who loves you, cares about you, I'm telling you right now, stop dating them. For your own good and for their own good. In fact, I would say this, as your pastor who loves you, if you are engaged to somebody who has a problem with anger management, Break off the engagement right now. The Bible says, don't associate with people of an angry temper. That doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't get back together at some point. But you need to use the leverage right now and say, no. You say, well, uh, I'll change him. Yeah, right. that's, That's the old wedding philosophy of when you go to a wedding, I've done all these weddings that, you know, first um, you walk down the aisle and then they sing the hymn and then there you stand at the altar, or actually stand at the altar, and then they sing the hymn, and so it's the aisle, altar, hymn. <laughs> and a lot of people think going into the wedding, it's gonna be that aisle, altar, hymn. You cannot change anybody else, so stop trying. You can't change your kids, you can't change you. You can only change you, you can't change you. You can't change other people. Only until the fear of change is exceeded by the pain will they change. And when the pain gets worse than the fear of their fear of change, then they'll change. So how do you, what do you do? All you do when you in a relationship, when you're with an angry person, the only thing you can do is change you. And if you change you and you don't respond the same way to the way they've always responded, I'll say, wait a minute, this isn't working anymore. And they have to develop a whole new relationship. You change you, it changes the relationship. But this is the danger. The Bible says anger's contagious. And so as much as you can, well, you, you get away from it. Well, what about in a marriage? If you're in a marriage that is abusive right now, God does not expect you to keep uh, accepting that physical abuse. He doesn't. I don't believe in divorce but I do believe in separation for the purpose of reconciliation. 
And I have often counseled uh, people, if you are in an abusive relationship right now, you need to get out of that relationship at this moment for your own physical, or your kids are in an abusive relationship. You get them out of it for this moment. I'm not saying divorce them, but I am saying you get out of that relationship so God can put some pressure on that person to start working in their life. That's where I say you change you. And then I want you to hear the story of Lisa. Would you give her a warm welcome? Good evening. My name is Lisa, and for much of my life, I lived in very angry and abusive situations. Anger was so commonplace, I didn't know that a life of peace was possible. I'm so thankful to Jesus and to this church that those days are behind me now. My parents split up when I was nine years old. My mom left in the middle of the night, taking nothing with her, leaving my brother and me. We didn't see her again for about a year. When we did reunite with mom, I was frequently abused by her angry boyfriends, both physically and sexually. It was common for me to see my mom being beaten by them and feeling totally helpless to stop it. Even if I called the police, she would send them away. Once she even ended up in the, ended up in the hospital from a beating. Other times I saw her and her boyfriends pull knives on each other and threaten to kill each other during angry arguments. One boyfriend threatened to kill my brother and me too. During a fight with my mom, he smashed an ashtray on the kitchen counter and cut his hand. He took us to our room and spread blood over the door, saying that if we came out of the room, he would kill us. So we sat, terrified in our bedroom, listening to my mom screaming and crying. This was the angry environment I grew up in. One day while I was home alone with him, he molested me. I was 12 years old. After that, I would start shaking any time he or any adult man got near me, and I had horrible nightmares. After school each day, I hated to go home. I started doing drugs, drinking, and being promiscuous at age 15. I would do anything to be loved and craved affection. In my mind, love meant being abused and giving sex. I got married at 19, and that was the last day I saw my mom. She was murdered five days later, stabbed to death in her home, and whoever did it set fire to her home that night to try and cover up the murder. 27 years later, her murder remains unsolved. Her life is the ultimate example of literally dying from codependency. My first marriage was short-lived, but it gave me my two wonderful sons, Eric and Jason. My husband was volatile and abusive and a periodic blackout drinker. Sometimes he'd call me in the middle of the night from wherever he was drinking, tell me to get up and leave because he was bringing home his new girlfriend. He was very controlling and manipulating in every way, but I lacked the spiritual strength to break free. After our divorce, I stayed single for four years. I dated and slept with many different men. This led to an abortion and another child I gave up for adoption. My second marriage was worse than the first. I chose the same man, just a different name. He drank and did drugs. He called me every foul, angry name you could think of and frequently threatened me. He would push me down or hold me up against the wall by my neck while he screamed at me. I justified his behaviors by gauging them against my childhood, which had been worse. My only model was my mom. One day, 16 years ago, in the middle of divorce number two, I walked into Saddleback Church. I was overwhelmed by the warmth and love I felt from everyone, and it seemed Pastor Rick was speaking right to me. How did he know what I was going through? I cried through the whole service and realized I had found my spiritual home. 
I had just met Peter, a guy who was cute, sweet, and made me laugh. But I soon learned that Peter drank, and the wall in his bedroom was covered with pornography. By this point, I figured all men were like this, so it seemed normal. I invited Peter to Saddleback Church, and we attended for a while while we were living together, but soon stopped. Over time, our relationship took on the same miserable patterns as previous relationships. I resented Peter's constant pornography viewing and drinking. I was working two jobs while Peter worked part-time and took care of my two sons, who were eight and 10 years old. Peter made sure they got to and from school, cleaned house, and did laundry, but sometimes he'd spend the whole day watching adult videos. Without Christ, I continued to make self-defeating decisions in anger. To get back at Peter, I had an affair with an old boyfriend to compete with Peter's magazine girlfriends, but I couldn't compete with unreality. As our relationship fell apart, we decided to return to Saddleback Church. Pastor Rick was teaching the original Celebrate Recovery series, and the rest they say is history. We met Pastor John Baker, joined Celebrate Recovery, and both Peter and I began the journey of hope and healing. Peter for his sex addiction and me for my codependency. We committed our lives to Christ, took class 101, and were baptized. We were both astounded to find other people who are authentic and honest about their struggles and could identify with all we had gone through. The healing power of an honest small group is amazing. As Peter and I began to ask forgiveness and to offer it to everyone who had hurt us, the trust began to rebuild and our anger continued to be replaced by peace. I'll never forget asking my counselor, how can I ever trust Peter? She responded, you don't need to trust Peter, you need to trust God. Those words became the cornerstone of my life, my recovery, and my ministry. Peter moved out of the house, and we committed to abstinence during our months of premarital counseling, and we were married here in December of 1994. We have now served the Lord together in ministry for 14 years here, helping others with the same struggles we faced. There's so much I could share about the transforming love of Jesus Christ, but let me conclude with this. If you are stuck in a relationship that's filled with anger, abuse, or addiction, God wants to change you and change that person too. It takes courage to be honest about your shame, but it's the first step to freedom. There are literally thousands of people now in our Saddleback Church family who've been set free from anger, sex addiction, and hundreds of other habits and hurts. Jesus is here to help you, and we are here to help you. Don't wait any longer. Thank you. This is the shameful secret in millions of American homes. Last year, four million wives were beaten by husbands who didn't know how to control their anger. Last year, 10 million children in America were beaten by parents who didn't know how to control their anger. The Bible says this on the screen. If you exploit or abuse your family, you will end up with a fistful of air. Look at the next verse. The Bible says, you husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. If you want to get God angry at you, just pick on somebody and watch what happens. This has got to stop. You say, Rick, how? I didn't learn it. I did not learn good patterns of anger management growing up. How do I do it? Number six, rely on God's help. 
The real secret is God's power to change you on the inside. Romans 15 verse 5 says this, patience and encouragement come from God. Not a pill, not a seminar, not a conference. Those can all be helpful. Patience and encouragement come from God. I pray God will help you to agree with each other. In other words, so you're not fighting all the time. Do you agree with each other the way Christ Jesus wants? Now listen, your relationship and your closeness to Jesus Christ will determine the amount of patience you have in your life. If you are close to Jesus Christ, you're gonna have a lot of patience in your life. If you're kind of wishy-washy in your relationship to Christ, you're gonna be wishy-washy, sometimes patient and sometimes not. If you're just kind of on the fringe with your relationship to Christ, you're gonna have problems with anger your life. You're gonna have problems with being patient all your life because you don't have enough. I'm not talking about superficial love, I'm talking about supernatural love. Supernatural love. You see, Whatever is inside of you is going to come out when you're squeezed. If you take a bottle of toothpaste and you squeeze it, what comes out? You say, toothpaste. <laughs> Not quite true. It could be whatever is put in it. It could say toothpaste on the outside, but whatever's in it is what's going to come out when you put on the squeeze. When my kids were little, they used to eat this product called squeeze it. So it's like candy and squeeze it in their mouth. Tension and temper go together. Pressure and anger go together. Now, if you are filled with anger on the inside, stuff you haven't dealt with, like we talked about the last couple weeks, if you're filled with anger, when you get jostled, almost anything can make you angry. On the other hand, if you're filled with God's love, almost nothing can make you angry to lose your temper, to get it out of, out of gear. How does God manage my anger? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is patience. In other words, when God's Spirit is in me, He fills me with love and joy and peace and patience. How does God help me with my bad habits of anger? I'll tell you how He does it. He goes straight to the heart of the problem. And the heart of the problem is a problem in the heart. It starts in the heart. It doesn't start in your behavior. It doesn't start in your background. It doesn't start with your attitudes and your feelings and emotions. It starts in the heart. The Bible says this, whatever is in your heart determines what you will say. You see, the problem is not my tongue, it's my heart. My mouth just betrays what I'm really like inside. Sometimes I hear people say something really mean or unkind to a kid or a husband or a wife. And you hear him say, oh, I don't know what got into me. That's not like me. Oh, yes, it is. It's exactly like you. Your mouth just reveals what's in your heart. If it wasn't in your heart, it wouldn't be coming out of your mouth. The problem is not your mouth. The problem is in your heart. Bad water in a well, you got bad water in a well, painting the pump isn't going to do any good. You still got bad water in the well. You see, my mouth just betrays what's inside of me. And you find somebody with a harsh tongue, that cutting tongue, it reveals an angry heart. You find somebody with a negative tongue, you know they got a fearful heart. You find somebody with a, a boasting tongue, you know they got an insecure heart. 
You find somebody with a judgmental tongue, and they're always judging everybody, you know they got a guilty heart. You find somebody with a critical tongue, they're always nagging and being critical, they got a bitter heart. You find somebody with a filthy tongue, you know they got an impure heart. On the other hand, if you find somebody who's always encouraging, they're always encouraging, they got a happy heart. You know what's on the inside of them. And if they're always speaking in a gentle way, you know they've got a loving heart. And if they're always being uh, 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 loving and, and, uh, and controlled in their words, you know they've got a peaceful heart. You see, friends, what you need is a heart transplant. You need a new heart. David says this in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. And that's what you need to say today. God, I need a clean heart. I need a heart transplant. And Jesus can replace the hurting heart from all that pain with a sense of his love. Maybe you, like Lisa, have been beaten and abused and rejected and unloved. And God says, I care about your pain. It matters to me. And I will help you in the healing. Maybe you got a frustrated heart. God can fill it with your peace, with his peace. Maybe you've got an insecure heart. See, it just seems out of control. He can fill it with his confidence. Let's bow our heads. You know, Father, it's sad, but it's true that we often get angry at the people we love the most, the people we're closest to. And it's often, Lord, because we forget that you are the source of all we need, not other people. You are the source of all we need. Jesus, help us to remember that when we expect anybody else to meet needs, our deepest needs, we're going to be disappointed and we're going to be angry. When we expect other people to be God in our lives and to meet all of our needs, help us realize we're just setting ourselves up for disappointment and anger. Lord, I'm certain that there are many people here who are struggling with anger. And I ask you to help them, Lord. Whatever the hurt or the frustration or the insecurity, help them to experience hope and healing today. Now you pray. Say, dear Jesus Christ, I admit that I have a problem with my anger and I don't want to stay that way. I need your help. I need you to do a heart transplant in me. I need you to fill my heart with your love. Today, with your help, I want to start practicing these steps. Today, I am resolving to learn how to manage my anger and to learn some of these Bible verses we've looked at today. I'm very aware of how my anger has has hurt other people, including those that I love, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Forgive me for the times that I've tried to control things and then getting angry when I couldn't. Help me to reflect before reacting, to pause, to put my mind and heart in gear before my mouth. Help me to learn to release my anger appropriately 
to not repress it or suppress it or express it in sarcasm or manipulation or, or weird behavior, but help me repattern my mind. I confess to you that I need your help. And so, Jesus, today I open up my life, every, every room of my heart, completely to you. Come into my life and save me and change me. Make the changes only you can make. Father, thank you for your word that it's so practical and it's so relevant and it has to help us in every area of life. Lord, we want to be lovers, not haters. We want to be filled with you and your peace and joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. If you just prayed to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, congratulations. You're now my brother or sister in the Lord, and you need to tell somebody, and why don't you tell me? Write to me, rick at pastorrick.com. Just email me, rick at pastorrick.com, and tell me your story. I would love to read it. And by the way, I'll send you some free material to help you start in your new journey with the Lord. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. If this message has encouraged you, or if God puts someone on your mind that needs to hear it, would you please share it? You'll be so glad you did. And be sure to let them know about Pastor Rick's free daily email devotional at PastorRick.com. Rick will be back in just a moment, but first, life is all about love. And now you can be reminded every day of God's love for you with this special limited edition set of scripture cards with key verses from Pastor Rick's 40 Days of Love teaching series. As you reflect on these powerful scriptures, you'll be empowered to love others the way Jesus loves you. This set of 52 beautifully designed cards will help you memorize scripture so you can recall God's word when you need it the most. You can also use them to minister to others. Give one to a friend and write a personalized note of encouragement on the back. If a scripture really speaks to you, frame it. Put them in places where you can read them during the day for encouragement. This set of 40 Days of Love scripture cards will help you live a life powered by the love of Jesus. And today, when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the hope of Jesus to a hurting world, We'll send you the 40 Days of Love Scripture card set to say thanks. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. Or just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thank you so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you about today's exciting opportunity. Jesus told his disciples that they should live their lives according to five specific purposes. He said, you've got to love God with all your heart, that's worship, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's ministry, that's called the great commandment. And then Jesus said, go make disciples, that's evangelism, baptize them into the family of God, that's fellowship, a sign of fellowship. And then he said, teach them to obey everything I've taught you, that's discipleship. And we call that the great commission. We believe it daily hope, that a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission 
will produce a great Christian, a great church, a great company, a great community. You know, I started Daily Hope so I could spread the good news about Jesus, not just across America, but all around the world. And we want people to know that God's word is filled with hope and truth. And the power that we need to follow him every day is available to every single one. You know as well as I do that the word of God changes lives. It's alive, it's active, and it breathes new life and new love into all of our lives. So wherever you listen to this, whether you listen on the website, whether you listen on a radio station, or whether you listen through a podcast, you're a part of the Daily Hope family, and I need your help. We could not do this without your support. Now, you know I don't take any funds from this broadcast. We don't have any giant million-dollar donor who's giving big gifts to this. It comes from daily donations from listeners like you. We're 100% listener-funded. Would you continue to pray for this broadcast, and would you continue to support us? And let write to me. Let, let me hear from you. I absolutely love reading the stories that are sent to me. So write me, pray for me, and support this ministry. And God will bless it, and God will bless you, and we'll get to heaven, and we'll thank God for all the people going to be in heaven because you cared. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.